nutrition, gut health, mental health, hormones, and so much more. These all play roles in sustainable weight management. So I scour the globe for top experts in fitness, health, and weight loss to bring to you this podcast. So take a seat and enjoy the ride. So, welcome to another episode of the Zika Health Show. This is weight management expert, Narado Zico Powell. And today, I have another fantastic interview for you. I have integrative dietitian, high-performance coach, and, to top it all off, four times best-selling author, Esther Bloom. You're going to love this episode. Because we're going to talk about hormones, how to combat sugar cravings, metabolic syndrome, which I've hinted on on my show, but we never really dive deep into it, and a whole lot more. Because Esther has so much knowledge that you can benefit from. And with that being said, let's welcome her to the show. Hi, Esther. How are you doing today? Hi. Thank you so much for having me. Awesome. Awesome. So let's get this puppy started. I know a lot about you. I've been following you for years, but tell my audience about yourself and what you do. Yeah. Well, I'm an integrative dietitian, um, which means I am trained as a classic dietitian. I worked in hospitals for five years and then really realized I worked in cardiology units for most of my tenure there and realized I really wasn't helping people having 10 minutes to give them diet instruction after they've had a heart attack and then never seeing them again, having no continuity, no follow-up, no ability to implement changes. So I got trained in functional medicine. I left the hospital and I opened a private practice and um, I'm working on my fifth book now on menopause, which is going to come out this September, 2022. Awesome. A book on menopause. That's so important when it comes to our health, because a lot of times I've, I've worked with women who they get to that point and they hit menopause if things are going great and they hit menopause and it's like everything kind of goes to hell. So, yeah. so a, <laughs> learning from an expert like you is going to be fantastic. Now, the first question I want to ask you is, my friend, the paleo diet, because I'm really a paleo person. Most of the food that I eat, you can classify it within the paleo category. So, mm -hmm. but for my audience, what is the paleo diet and what are some benefits of eating that way? Yeah, the paleo diet, quite simply, I mean, it's short for paleolithic diet. It's a hunter-gatherer diet. So obviously in modern times, it's impossible to fully mimic a paleo diet, but the modern diet, which I wrote about my book, Cave Women Don't Get Fat, um, is a paleo diet book for women, although men can follow it too. And so it's a whole foods diet. It is very rich in proteins and proteins found in animal products, um, beef, lamb, chicken. Now our true paleo ancestors ate the organs. They ate the liver. They ate the brain. They ate the heart. Those are so nutrient dense, right? The heart has CoQ10, the 
The brain has omega-3s and phosphatidylserine. So, you know, all of the organs are really nutrient rich, but not many people eat organs, right? I love liver and heart, but not everyone has the stomach or the appeal for it. So today's modern diet, you know, uh, beef, lamb, pork, chicken, eggs, turkey, fish, shellfish, um, uh, dairy, you know, cottage cheese is a great protein source. So all of those are kind of our modern paleo proteins. And then um, carbs come from vegetables, fruit, roots, and tubers. So things like um, plantains or potatoes or sweet potatoes um, are very paleo friendly. There's no grains on it. Although some modern scientists allow, you know, white rice as tolerated. Um, and if you do have, if you really want to introduce things like beans or legumes or grains, you should absolutely soak them first to lower the lectin and the phytate content. Um, and then fats are from, you know, avocados, nuts and seeds, raw nuts and seeds, not roasted, uh, olive oil, avocado oil, butter from grass-fed cows. I believe I said coconut and coconut oil. And that's kind of the foundation of a paleo diet. It's nutrient dense. It's not, there's no labels on the foods. You're just shopping in the outer aisles of the grocery store. Awesome. And anyone that's been, that work with clients before or in the health industry or in the nutrition industry, we always talk about when you shop, you shop on the outer aisles, right? Because the inner aisles is when the, all the processed crap. And I've bastardized processed food so many times on my show where I explained that nothing in nature like comes with fat, carbs, proteins all bundled up together. (laughs) Our bodies are not designed to break all that stuff down, you know? And so then we eat a high fat, high carb, high protein diet consistently, giving our bodies, everybody's going to say what? I'm going to use the carbs preferably, store the fat preferably where? Around your stomach, Right. So then you gain all this weight and you can't properly break down the protein. So we have all these things that happen. Then there's the sodium. And then there's the, the natural colors that may come from a beaver's butt or wherever it really comes from. So <laughs> then all these things are going on. And our bodies are like, okay, I can't handle all this at one time. Eating natural is how food comes. Think about also, and I'm sure you do the same, eating seasonally. In warmer climates, there's certain things that grow because you're supposed to eat them. In colder climates, it's the yeah. same way. But right. we eat the same crap all year round and wonder why we have all these health issues. Right. Yeah. I mean, but boy, do I am missing my fresh summer tomatoes this time of year. Let me tell you, because I really enjoy them all summer. But yeah, that's a great example of a food that has zero taste in the winter. Right. Exactly. And, you know, like, and this is why I eat closer to paleo than anything else. Probably 80% of my diet is because I eat foods that I should eat in the season. People who listen to me know about my asthma story, how I'm this March is going to hit my three-year anniversary on no medication, breathing better, a lot more active, no coughs. When I was on medication, I was going to the doctor twice a year trying to get medication because I couldn't breathe and I couldn't control it. And one of the big pieces of that is eating seasonally. How I eat in the wintertime, to lower, to I up, up, increase my omega-3s, lower oxidative stress, lower inflammation is different than how I eat in the summertime where yeah. I sweat more, my body rate can tolerate more sugars. 
Yes. Now your book, um, it's uh, Cave Woman Don't Get Fat. It is. Let me know. I love that title, by the way. But uh, <laughs> tell us more about it. Yeah. So it's, uh, you know, the paleo books, diet books on the market are uh, typically written by men. Um, Diane Sanfilippo is the exception. She wrote Practical Paleo and, and there's Sarah Fergozo wrote another paleo cookbook. But a lot of them are very male centric, geared towards men. And most of the research study subjects are men. Um, so I decided along with my agent, she said, you know, there's a really big hole in the market for women, right? A paleo diet for women. And it's interesting because the dietary requirements for women are different. Um, you know, men typically do great on keto diets. Uh, for longer periods of time. Women do keto diets and do great the first two to three months, especially if you're in menopause, it can really curb your hot flashes. It can help with weight loss. And then they stall out. They hit a wall, the adrenals and thyroid crash, cortisol goes up, weight loss stops, fatigue sets in, um, irritability, insomnia. So um, my goal with the paleo diet book for women is to get women to understand their own unique carb tolerance. I don't like carbs that are diets that are too low in carb for women for too long. Okay. That's number one. So I have people do a bit of a detox where their carbs are just from fruits and vegetables. Because often that is, you know, the average American eats 300 grams of carbohydrates a day. I get people down to like, anywhere from 150 to 100 to 75, you know, it really depends on the person's activity level, their muscle mass, all of that. So I have them do a detox for two weeks. It's just protein, fat, vegetables, and fruits. And then slowly they start adding in a starch, like a sweet potato or some winter squash. And um, they increase by half a cup a day per week, right? So I'll say, take a week and add in a half a cup a day. If you're still losing body fat and building lean muscle, add in another cup add, or add in another half cup, add in another half cup. We play with the timing of carbs. Are they best before bed? Are they best post-workout? Do you need them throughout the day? So everyone gets to figure out how much protein they need, but really how many carbs they need. And carbs are like an accelerator or decelerator for weight loss. For some people, they tolerate them great. For a lot of people, the more they have, the slower they lose weight and the less they have, the faster they lose weight. So that's step one. Step two is, so I, in the book, right, I really address adrenal and thyroid health for women, you know, eating a paleo diet. Step two is I also talk about intermittent fasting. Um, I looked at about, when I was doing research, I looked at about 73 studies on intermittent fasting. Only 13 were done on women, okay? And we know women with hypothyroid or Hashimoto's do not do well on more than a 12-hour fast, right? We know that, um, or I know at least from my private practice, postmenopausal women and um, younger women, the first half of their cycle do better with intermittent fasting than a woman who's menstruating in the second half of her cycle, who's far more insulin resistant and craving and having a lot more blood sugar issues. So it really takes on um, the hormonal complexities of women 
and gives them the bandwidth to dial into their body's own unique needs. Wow, that was, that was an amazing take because there's a group called Lumen, right? Are you actually, you found, are you familiar with the product Lumen? I know the light bulbs. Uh. <laughs> it's, um, they probably should use a different name. It's a breathalyzer. It's the only one on the market that when you blow okay. into it, it tells you if you're burning fat or carbs. Okay. And it gives you a nutrition guidance based on if your body is, a, if you're mainly a carb burner or a fat burner. So your enzymes in your gut can adjust so you can start to break down macros instead of store them. And there's a group right now, it's about 19,000 strong of the human loser, Lumen users. And I answer questions for them. So a lot of times, I had a question today, what is a female and she was talking about fasting and how the length of her fast. And she realized that even if she goes to bed and she's burning, she's burning, breaking, burning carbs, when she wakes up and she blows into it, she's shifted into a, a sugar metabolism, which is not supposed to happen, a carb metabolism. Mm -hmm. And that's when I started talking to her about her, the length of her fast. Because like you said, women hormones are completely different than men. And because it works for someone else may not need, mean it's going to work for you, right? So, and then when you're talking about hypothyroidism, you're talking about the menstrual cycle, this, the timing of your insulin sensitivity, all those things play a role. And that's, when I talk to a female about fasting, especially if she's new, one of the first things that I tell them is do not start longer than 12 hours, period because you need to build up. You need to have an understanding how your body is going to respond. And then you can tinker with the numbers. But guys can fast 14, 16 hours and sometimes and perfectly fine. But for women, that may not always be the case. That's right. And you really have to be fairly healthy to fast, period. You, because you know, if you, let's say you have parasites, let's say you have mold, let's say you have toxins and you're you know, adrenals are pretty blown out. You're not going to have the stamina to fast. You're just going to feel exhausted, irritable, and cranky. And it's funny, I, I can just say, personally speaking, you know, I've had many times in my life where I've really tried fasting. And the only times I do it successfully is when I'm sick and I'm sleeping anyway. So when I'm sick, I fast. I just chug bone broth and electrolytes and water and just sleep. Um, and my body, you know, I, I definitely see an improvement in body composition, but day to day, I really have a hard time functioning, working and working out and fasting. It just doesn't work for me longer than 12. You know, I could do like 12, maybe 14 hours, but past that, no way, Jose. And definitely don't even talk to me the second half of my cycle. I'm no way. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why it's important to work with it with an expert like Esther, because yeah. oftentimes we think, oh, this works great from, for this person, this works great for that person, but it may not be what your body needs. Your, what, your right. journey is personal to you, yes. and just picking up what someone else does is not always the best thing. That's right. And you know, the other thing is um, a lot of women I see do better having a little bit of carbs. Well, A, either a good amount of carbs at dinner, they can be low carb, you know, it's kind of carb backloading, right? Where your insulin levels are great during the day, you're getting a lot of protein and veggies and some fat. But at night, you know, I have a lot of people I treat whose cortisol is spiking overnight, right? I do urine samples overnight and their cortisol is really spiking. So giving them some honey with salt or 
God forbid, a rice cake with honey at bed, you know, to, to drive up the insulin and tamp down the cortisol really is beneficial because they're not, if you take someone who's not sleeping, but eating low carbs and you add in some carbs, but get them sleeping, you're going to have a very favorable metabolic effect. You're going to get a rise in growth hormone. You're going to get a lowering of cortisol. So you can still improve body composition. You know, the sleep is really your metabolic mistress. It reigns queen over your fat loss efforts, but also your gut health, your, you know, uh, mental clarity, mental focus, building muscle, all of those things are so important. So you kind of have to outweigh like, Hey, you know, and even my doctor said to me, he's like, Oh yeah, I eat and then go right to bed. Like I have a snack right before bed every night. And I was like, cool. I'll often have a little teaspoon of, of some nut butter when I take my night supplements. Um, so yeah, I don't sweat it because, you know, but everyone, and listen, it, I've been doing this over 27 years. I've had plenty of times to experiment and try different things and see what works for me. And everyone has to be their own diet detective. And the beautiful thing, I'm sure you see this in your practice, people are pretty intuitive about their bodies. They really know. And, you know, we're, you and I may be experts in our field, but that doesn't mean I'm the expert on your body, right? Any of these, any of you listening out there, I'm not the expert of your body. You're the expert of your body. So I kind of let you, I'm the co-captain of your ship is what I tell my clients, but like, you're the, you're the captain, right? You're driving and you're going to tell me what's working for you and what's not working for you. And we're going to let your body lead. And most people really need to let their body lead because it's going to tell you what's working and what's not. 100%. Now, now we're talking about, we're talking about your body and being personal. So let's talk about hormones, right? Mm -hmm. How is weight gain tied into the, if our hormones? Yeah. Well, so, you know, as we age and men experience this too, right? Um, but especially for women going through menopause, your estrogen and progesterone are very important hormones for blood sugar regulation, for helping you have, you know, a nice hourglass figure, um, for helping you be able to burn fat and build muscle. And of course, testosterone declines too. Um, and what, and I think a lot of women are very misinformed about, and doctors too, misinformed about hormone replacement therapy for women and for men. Um, and I have many women who replenish their hormones. Of course, I do extensive testing and send them to work with a, a doctor as well. But um, I treated so many women who do beautifully replenishing their hormones. Uh, after menopause and being able to get the weight off. And you don't always even have to wait until you're fully in menopause to start hormone replacement therapy. Um, progesterone is a great starting point because one of the things that goes when your progesterone goes is your sleep because sleep is a precursor to GABA. GABA is a very calming neurotransmitter in the brain. And that helps you stay asleep, right? So you want to make sure that you're, you know, you can get bioidentical progesterone. You can get it at a pharmacy, even like under insurance. 
Uh, most people don't realize this, but you can get bioidentical progesterone and start taking it the second half of your cycle if you're uh, if your levels are low and it helps also take the edge off moodiness. It helps promote a sense of calm. It helps with sleep because a lot of women really don't sleep the second half of their cycle and they definitely don't sleep oftentimes in menopause. So, um, you know, don't wait until the train has left the station. You can actually buy your tickets and get on board before that's going to happen. So you really do need, um, you know, you don't need to be at the levels you were when you were 25 or 30 when you're postmenopausal, but you do need, um, and I start with very low doses, but you do need some hormone replenishment to help improve insulin sensitivity, to help you still build lean muscle, um, and to help prevent insulin resistance. Um, the other benefits of bioidentical hormone replacement therapy is heart disease prevention. Alzheimer's prevention, um, those are kind of really important. <laughs> wow, that is, those are really important. And, uh, um, bone density as well. Is... And that group, Lumen, I was telling you about, Maria at um, age 51, she yeah. lost over 70 pounds. And I interviewed her, I released that in December, mm -hmm. and she talked about she hormone replacement therapy and that she went yeah. through hormone replacement therapy and how a lot of women think that's kind of taboo or it's an issue, but you need to talk yeah. to your talk to your medical professional and look into it yeah. because it can't have many benefits if you just eloquently yeah. detailed. Well, and I would say talk to a functional medicine practitioner because conventional practitioners um, are very reluctant to use it because they are not educated in it. Um, and this is not your mama's HRT, okay? I look at the studies. I'm currently doing a tremendous amount of research. I always do research, but I'm doing an extra amount of research for my menopause book. And the studies and the risk factors are, uh, are usually for people using the synthetic old school hormone replacement therapy made from the urine of pregnant horses versus bioidentical hormones mimic the natural effect of hormones on your body. Um, some of the delivery systems bypass the gut and the liver and are absorbed like estrogen you can give through a transdermal patch, which is also bioidentical, even at a regular pharmacy. All estrogen patches are technically bioidentical. Um, progesterone you can give orally in a pill called progestin or a trochee, which is a dissolving waxy tablet. And I like trochees because you can, they come in a square with markings and you can literally cut, like if you get a hundred milligrams of progesterone, but you don't tolerate, you can cut the pill in doses of 25 milligrams, 50 milligrams, 75 milligrams. So you can really customize it. And then transdermal testosterone, which is a cream you rub uh, on the, you know, inside of your elbows or um, inner thighs, pardon me. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of misinformation. There's also a lot of people who say, well, I have a history of cancer. I can't use these hormones. And that's actually not necessarily true. So I look at, you know, how your some of the testing I look at looks at how your body detoxes estrogen. Is it, is your liver pushing it down the right pathways that's anti-inflammatory versus pro-inflammatory? 
you know, as long as your hormones are moving through, you are at lower risk for cancer. And to get your hormones to move through, you actually have to poop every day. People don't realize constipation is a huge risk for hormone dependent cancers. So you have to get hormones moving through. Um, so pooping every day is really key. Um, and you have to have a good, healthy functioning liver to make sure that your hormones are being detoxed properly, going down the right pathways. But yes, often people gain weight during menopause or perimenopause. And once the, once the water's calm and things are more stable and your levels have really dropped of all your hormones across the board, I mean, then you're then it's consistent, then you can start up with intermittent fasting, you can do hormone replacement, you know, full hormone replacement, and it won't be such a rocky ride, you'll be able to get that weight off for sure. And I treat women, you know, in their 70s who are able to lose weight all the time. So, so totally possible. <laughs> So what do you recommend in the beginning? Do you recommend them that a woman should see a functional um, doctor first before making any changes or they're like the progress, progesterone and the things you mentioned before, should they yeah. do those beforehand? How do you yeah. see this falling? Well, a lot of doctors will say, uh, don't even bother testing your hormones during um, perimenopause because you do get estrogen surges right? And your FSH can be really high. Um, and the, the estrogen is uh, really, it's, it's like throwing a final party, right? There's fireworks, there's cocktails. It's like, it's going nuts and really surges, which is when women get hot flashes and have all sorts of symptoms. But I do test, I test people where they're at so I can start treating them now. So, um, you know, I don't wait until uh, I don't make people wait two years. Some menopause can last up to 10 years. So are you supposed to sit there and wait? No, you start where you're at. The numbers may not be perfect. The numbers may change here and there, but that's important. I also want to add that if you do start HRT, you need to be very careful with alcohol because every drink that you have will raise, drink stays in your system, takes about four to six hours to fully metabolize out of your liver, out of your body through your liver. So estrogen will hop along for the ride and your estrogen levels will also stay elevated for four to six hours after you have one drink. So I'm not saying you can never have a cocktail. I'm just saying be judicious if you're someone who has a drink or two every night, A, that's going to really disrupt your fat loss efforts and throw off your thyroid anyway. So not a great idea, but be, you know, a, a drink every once in a while is a much better strategy and booze. It really messes with your sleep too. It interferes with REM sleep. So you want to be careful there. Wow. You've, you, again, you've given us some really good information. Again, Four times best-selling author, right? Um, there's a reason why. There's a reason why. <laughs> now, before you go, I want to talk about belly fat. Because I, in the beginning, I said, we're going to talk a little bit about metabolic syndrome. Not directly by name, but we know that individuals who are overweight, most of them do have metabolic syndrome or are heading towards that. So what are some things that, why are some of the reasons why we tend to struggle with belly fat? Yeah. Well, first of all, sleep, okay? Sleep, if your sleep is off, 
you can become insulin resistant within one to two weeks of not sleeping well, okay? So your diet is really paramount. Um, if you're rocking processed carbs all the time and you're not getting protein and your blood sugar is really imbalanced, that is going to give you a nice amount of belly fat. I have a client of mine who, you know, she wasn't losing weight. She wouldn't keep food logs. She wouldn't like give up her huge, you know, 18 ounces of tea with four tablespoons of honey. I said, okay, let's get you a blood glucose monitor, continuous blood glucose monitor. She almost fell over when she saw that her cup of coffee with sweetened creamer raised her blood sugar to 150. <laughs> I was like, now are we understanding? And I literally texted her this morning to check in. She's like, I'm down three pounds this week. So, you know, it's like, you got to make the connection between what you're eating and your belly fat. So what's great for belly fat is high pro, higher protein diets because higher when you're increasing your protein, you're naturally going to increase your uh, fat intake too a little bit, unless you're eating like plain boiled chicken breasts which, oh my goodness, no thank you. But most of the time you're gonna get some extra fat in there, right? So um, that is going to sustain your blood sugar for four to six hours after you eat it. Let's say you have a bagel or a waffle or a donut for breakfast, your blood sugar is gonna spike up and then crash and burn later. And while it's spiked up, that's when you get a surge of insulin and the extra calories and carbs get stored as fat right around your midsection. So I always say if your muffin got muffin top and then it's turning into a cake top, that's that's a problem. Um, lack of activity is also a problem. I don't know if your viewers are going to see us, but I'm standing right now. I'm I'm not sitting at my desk. I'm standing. You got to move. You got to walk. Even if you walk 10 to 30 minutes a day, you're going to see an improvement in your belly fat and your insulin levels. It just really lowers your blood sugar. Um, so yeah, poor sleep, lack of activity, poor diet, um, and stress, of course, because if your cortisol is very high all the time, you're going to get that beautiful, nice belly fat, that nice big fat padding right around your midsection. So you need to make sure that um, you do some deep breathing, even 10 minutes a night of deep breathing lowers cortisol. Okay. Get protein at your meals. Every meal aim for at least four to six ounces of protein. Okay. Get in bed at a decent hour, you know, between 10 and 11 is really the most ideal. Your body does so much healing between 10 PM and 2 AM. Uh, and yeah, moving outside, getting in nature, lowering cortisol taking some time off work, you know, all just like a good balanced, common sense, healthy lifestyle. It's really what it boils down to. And it should be common sense. All the things that you just mentioned, I've mentioned at some point, uh, either in my solo shows or someone, one of my guests have mentioned, or I've knocked my audience over the head by saying it over and over again. Yeah. But because it's true, these are just basic things that we should do. Um, yeah. I walk everywhere I possibly can. Like if there's a yeah. restaurant by me where I buy my fish, um, when I want, I eat out, they cook it and I go pick it up. And it's like a 10 minute walk. And I walk over there and I walk back. And my friends have said to me, 
why, why you walk? It seems so far. Why are you walking? Why are you walking to get in your car? And so, you know, I tell them, I could probably walk there faster than I could drive there, number one. And number two, <laughs> it's, it promotes healthier digestion. So, you know, there are reasons why I do these things and get sunlight, practice breathing. And I'm not going to dive into all that because my audiences are familiar, but it's good that you're saying that again. Now, the lifestyle thing- pieces. I'm so sorry. Go ahead. No, lay it on me, lay it on me. Uh, I was just going to say the lifestyle pieces are the hardest for people to do. You know, if I'm like, you know, drinking like 24 ounces of coffee a day is not really serving you and you're exhausted all the time, like cut back, cut back. Or, you know, can you just get off your phone? Like get off your phone at night. Don't, you know, past eight, put it on do not disturb, you know, and that is like people can't even take it or sleeping with the phone next to their head you know every and then this is the most egregious thing i see people doing and yes i am judging you guys because come on do not sleep with the phone next to your head and then check your alarm in the middle of the night with the blast of blue light okay number one published research shows the 5g technology next to your head thickens your adrenal cortex. So do not, it's causing dysfunction in your cortisol. Do not do that. Number one, number two, when you expose your eyes to blue light in the middle of the night, your melatonin production for the rest of the night is kaput. It's completely shut off. So no phones near the head, no technology. If you have to, if you have from family emergencies, you need a phone near, you put it at least 10 feet away, but get a battery operated alarm clock for your bedside. Yes. And one blue last light. thing I want to add to that is get some blue light blocking bulbs for your bathroom. But like I, I have those, the bathroom is the only light I have on when the sun goes down. So I put those blue light blocking bulbs there because of course I have to shower. If I get up to use the bathroom, I turn the light on, they're blue light blocking bulbs. It's kind of Amazon. I think I spent, I think it's about $8 for a set of three or four usually. It can yeah. be a little bit cost a little bit more, but yeah. that, it, it's an investment in yourself. Blue light blocking bulbs, go on Amazon yeah. and get some. It can right. change your life, improve your sleep, and so much more, as you eloquently stated already. Yeah. One, the last thing I want to ask you here is about sugar cravings, right? Mm-hmm. So tell my audience about your program. It's called Overcome Your Sugar Cravings in Three Days. Yes, your audience can go to Esther Blum, that's E-S-T-H-E-R-B-L-U-M.com forward slash cravings. And um, it is a free training. It's a three-part video series. uh, And it's going to teach you how to bust up your cravings in three days. There is nothing complicated. It is very straightforward. And guess what else? It's just a great way to optimize your health too. It's, but you can control your sugar cravings. Sugar cravings, if any of you are on my Insta feed, I am at gorgeous Esther is my handle. And I did a post about how, you know, sugar cravings is basically like a protein deficiency is really all it is. It's really that simple. Exactly. I have my friends look at me weird when I tell them I don't crave sugars. I eat a good amount of protein, a good amount of fat, and I don't crave sugars. And also my blood, my blood sugar stays quite steady because my body is very good at breaking down fat and utilizing protein. So in between the times that I need to eat, I don't, I can go shopping hungry and I'm fine. My body's just running just efficiently. I don't get the sugar crash. I don't feel terrible. Like I have to go grab something and eat it, which what happens to a lot of us because our diet's not optimized. Yeah. So then we think those sugar crashes, they're normal. Yes, but they're not optimal. Meaning that it happens to almost everyone, 
but it's because almost everyone is not eating the diet that is best for them. That's right. So last thing, just let my audience know, how can they get in touch with you? Yeah, definitely follow me at Gorgeous Esther. Um, if you are interested, I do offer for five of your listeners um, a complimentary consultation by application. So if you go to estherblum.com forward slash call, that's C-A-L-L, they can uh, fill out an application. And if you're a good candidate, you get a complimentary consultation from me where you take away three tactical tools to help you reach a specific health goal that you have. Thank you so much. I will make sure to let my audience know, or you just did, of course, but also on my Instagram and my other media to make sure my audience is aware. And of course, as always, Esther's contact information will be in the, in the show notes and the show notes are going to be zikahealth.com slash Esther B. And of course, the show notes <laughs> are going to be in the description of the podcast. I'm not very creative. First name, first initial, last name. <laughs> <laughs> So thank you very much, Esther. This was a fantastic interview. So I have benefited a lot. My audience is going to benefit a lot. And I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you. You too. Take care. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Zico Health Show. If you got good quality content out of this episode, save, subscribe, and share it out there with family, friends, coworkers, or anybody who needs to hear this information. Remember, always take the scenic route and enjoy the ride.